I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to an instant recap podcast here from Land Grant Holy Land. We are coming to you just about 10 minutes after the Ohio State men's basketball team somehow beat the Nebraska Cornhuskers in overtime after a 23-day break due to COVID-19 issues within the, te- uh, within the team. My name is Matt Tamanini, and I am joined by one of our men's basketball experts, the lead bucket head here at Land Grant Holy Land, Connor Lamonts. Connor, how are you, man? I am I'm sweating. I need to reapply deodorant. I need to change into a different shirt probably, but I'm, I'm doing good. Yeah, probably good to take a, uh, a shower before you head to bed after this late night game. You and I have both been in the building this season when Ohio State has won um, on buzzer beaters, I believe, right? You have, right? Um, I've been, I was there for the Akron game, so yes, I have. Okay, and then I was in Fort Myers when they beat Seton Hall. Um, but to me, this game was probably the most thrilling if not always for the right reasons as we said Ohio State has been coming off a 23 day break they had not played since they destroyed Wisconsin back on December 11th there have been reports about who had COVID-19 who had I'm not going to get into who was sick who wasn't but they came into this game clearly rusty Connor and they were without the services of Kyle Young who was out Due to an illness, but the program says that it is not COVID related. Pretty much everybody on the team looked pretty bad through the first 35 minutes of the game, except for one Malachi Branham. The freshman came into the game with a career high 11 points earlier in the season. He absolutely obliterated that, Connor, by throwing up 35 points. What was it about Malachi's game uh, in this contest tonight that let him kind of seem like the only guy who was in midseason form coming off of that long layoff? Well, I think partially, I think he has that in his bag. I think he's always had that in his bag. If you look at um, just him as a player, everybody can tell that he's going to be great. 
And Holtman has said all the time at press conferences, like, I want Malachi to shoot. I want him to be aggressive. I, I want him to take shots, even if sometimes maybe they'd end up being the, the, the best shot. I want him to be aggressive because he knows that, you know, Malachi Branham can score at all three levels. He's a tall, lanky guard. And he was just really aggressive tonight. And I think that even if EJ Odell didn't play super well, just the presence of EJ Odell makes it easier for him when Liddell is pulling two guys away. And that kind of opens up that middle area for Branham. Yeah. And what I thought was interesting is that clearly most teams are going to focus on EJ Liddell for obvious reasons. He is one of the best players in the country. He is one of the favorites to be the Big Ten player of the year and even a potential um, uh, a potential Naismith player of the year candidate. It was pretty obvious early on that they were going to pack down into the paint and stop EJ and Zed Key from scoring as much as humanly possible. And that let Branham really get some shots off in rhythm, getting the ball uh, passed back out from the the post. And he was really able to establish something. To me, it wasn't whether or not he was capable of it. I just kind of figured everybody else on the team looked pretty rusty. They only had three full team practices in three weeks. And Malachi looked like he was just, I mean... It just looked like he was just out there in the schoolyard, just putting up shots and and barely missing anything. He he scored those 35 points on 13 of 19 shooting, including six of 10 from beyond the arc. Like he was, I mean, to borrow a, a, a phrase from the NBA Jam video game that I grew up playing, he was on fire. Yeah. Uh, at first, it kind of reminded me of that wacky Justin Arns game against Iowa yeah. um, a few years ago. but. This was even more impressive than that because nothing against Dustin Arns. He's a very solid player, but Branham earned his points a little bit, a little bit tougher ways. He's slashing to the basket. He's pulling up in traffic around the elbow, around the free throw line. He hit those three pointers early, but a lot of his points came in like that 10 to 12 foot area around the elbow where he was going in with the right hand and then, you know, pulling up over guys. And he's like six, four, six, five. So he's really tall. And when he gets, in that area and is able to elevate, um, you know, those are really good looks for him. Obviously this isn't how his season is going to go and how his career is going to go like this forever, but um, it just kind of gives Ohio state fans a glimpse into, you know, the kind of thing they're going to probably see for him for at least one or two more years. I I hope too. I am kind of starting to think that two might be pushing it or beyond two uh, might be pushing it. But um, we mentioned the fact that, EJ Liddell did not have a great game. He was only two of 14 from the floor. He did end up getting into double figures uh, in overtime. So he had 10 points. He did do some other stuff, though. He was not shooting very well. He struggled from the floor, but he did have 10 points, eight rebounds, five assists and three blocks, including um, one at the, correct me if I'm wrong, one at the end of regulation and then one in overtime or was it two in overtime? I think it was two in overtime because the one yeah. at the end of regulation was, was actually Eugene. Eugene Brown. Yeah. Yeah. So he, it, it was impressive for Liddell because as bad as he was shooting, he still found ways to impact the game. Um, what, what looked off to you about EJ's game? Was it just rust? Was it, um, did he look tired or was there something he, that Nebraska was doing to get him off of his game, at least offensively? He looked really tired. He was settling for, um, uh, he was settling for a lot of jumpers and like turnaround jumpers and things like that. And with how strong he is, um, especially at the end, he can't 
get the ball out by the three point line. And you can't, he can't not take a dribble. Like there were shots that he was taking where he had a big man on him where he caught the ball back to the basket. And instead of even taking a dribble or, or trying to get to the basket, he just immediately kind of took a jump shot and it was short. And most of his misses were short. Um, he just looked really tired and, and winded. I know that Jardy, Adam Jardy wrote an article that said that he did test positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. EJ told him that himself, but that he was asymptomatic. So he wasn't like, it's not like his lungs were compromised, but he hadn't, hadn't ran like that in a few weeks and he played 41 minutes tonight. Yeah, he just looked off. I mean, he wasn't the only guy that that looked off uh, through throughout the game. Zed Key, although he was three of five from the floor, he only had seven points. He did have 14 rebounds, but he didn't look like himself offensively, um, although those 14 rebounds are, are pretty dang impressive. But... Um, you know, Michi kind of looked a little weird. Uh, it, it was a weird game all, all around because we saw Jimmy Sotos and, and Joey Brunk both getting multiple minutes in the second half, which I didn't expect. Um, and Sotos actually ended up having a, a pretty good run there of about four or five minutes where he hit a three. He, he um, you know, played some really good D. He had a couple of assists. So it was just a weird game overall. But I was really impressed, Connor, with just how how much Ohio State fought because they at times looked kind of all over the place. They got down by as many as like six or seven, I think, if I'm if I'm looking at the uh, the box score correctly in the second half. And yet they fought back feverishly to force overtime and really kind of dominated in that extra period. And what's crazy is they they trailed by five with under 30 seconds left. I mean, I yeah. thought that I thought that was a wrap when they're down by five with under 30 seconds. This is just, it's just tough. And it's an impressive win just because um, Nebraska's, they play really fast. They get up and down the floor. Um, I don't, they didn't really mention it on the broadcast, but in Ken Palm's like adjusted tempo ranks, Nebraska is the eighth fastest moving team in the country. By far oh, wow. the quickest, by far the quickest moving team in the Big Ten. They love to get up and down. That's part of the reason they turn the ball over so much, which Nebraska didn't even turn the ball over that much tonight, but they love to get up and down the floor before you can get set, which is not a great recipe for an Ohio state team. That's been at home since before Christmas. Um, so to go on the road yeah. and win when winning on the road is hard enough by itself to go on the road and win after not playing for three weeks and your best player had a pretty poor game for the most part. Yeah. It's an impressive win. Just get, get on the road, get the win and get home. Yeah. The score was 72 to 67 with 36 seconds left in regulation. Lat man, um, had a dunk, uh, for Nebraska. Then like less than nine seconds later, they got the ball inbounded. Jamari Wheeler hits a three pointer to cut it to 72 70. There's some timeouts and, and there's a, a foul missed free throws, um, all that kind of stuff. But then, um, EJ Liddell, um, gets a uh, gets a rebound, hits two free throws to tie the game at 72, and that's where regulation ended. It was a really kind of feisty performance from this team, and you know we are not the most uh, objective site in the Buckeye blogosphere, so I feel very comfortable saying that like I really like this team. I, I kind of love this team. They're fun to watch. They certainly have the DNA of the Ohio State men's basketball experience, which we've seen for years now under Chris Holtman, where nothing is ever easy. But they're a fun team, and like games like this where they fight back despite looking kind of rough at times, like they really endear themselves to me for whatever that means. But like it makes me root for me even more because they very easily could have quit and just been like, 
eh, we were off for three weeks. We only had three practices, but it meant a lot to them to kind of fight back and win this game. Yeah, and they're a really likable group too. There's it's a, they're a really unique blend of guys. You have a fifth year senior, Jamari Wheeler, who's always clapping and going crazy and is super intense the other end. And then you have almost like the polar opposite, who is Malachi Branham, who is came in as a very mm-hmm. high level recruit, like a lot of fanfare, a lot of press, um, who hasn't performed quite to expectations yet. And he's kind of the opposite of Jamari because Jamari was a super under-recruited guy who kind of has had to make his money with effort and energy. So to have both of those guys who are, you know, Jamari's 23 years old and Malachi just turned 18. You got both of those guys on the same floor. EJ Liddell is becoming a superstar. There's a really, from the personality wise, they're a really likable group and they bust their butts. I mean, they, they bust their asses out there. So this was a game that I felt like even if they lost this game, it's not, it wasn't like a red flag or, you know, sound the alarm or anything because of the circumstances, but they're just, they're gritty and they're fun to watch and they're really easy to like. So as we said, they've been off for three weeks and that was kind of obvious in, in this game, but they don't have a ton of time to like get back into things because they're in the middle of the Big Ten season. They get back into action. They go on the road to Indiana and play uh, the Hoosiers on Thursday night in a game that will be broadcast on FS1 with a tip at 7 p.m. Um, and then they've got, uh, you know, Wisconsin uh, or Northwestern, then Wisconsin um, and then Penn State and then this Nebraska team uh, one more time. And then Minnesota all in this month, all before the end of January. Oh, and they play number three Purdue to wrap up the month as well. So like they don't really have a ton of time to like get their legs underneath them, even though they play Indiana and Northwestern still this week. Those aren't great teams, but two more games in the course of of the next six days doesn't give them a ton of time to recuperate. Do you think that they need that time? Do you think getting Kyle Young back will be enough to get them there? Or what did you see tonight that makes you think um, what the rest of this week or rest of even this month might look like for Chris Holtman and his team? I think that they've played one of their worst games of the season today, probably all around. They, they played, I think they, I think it's fair to say they, they played pretty poorly for most of this game offensively and defensively. They, they locked it up and the closing minutes and played very well in overtime, but they're just going to get better from here, I think. And I also think that the schedule is pretty friendly for them to kind of get their feet back under them. They don't have too many tough games um, in the next four or five um, Indiana, I would, I would probably pick Indiana to win that game on the road in assembly hall, but you have mm-hmm. another game against Nebraska. You have another game against Penn state. You have another game against Wisconsin, I believe, which I'm not totally buying that Wisconsin team. You have a Minnesota game. Um, so I think that the schedule shapes up in a way that for a team coming off of three weeks away from basketball, those are the kind of games that you want to have and games that they will probably win most of them, except I would say Indiana could be tough in Purdue, obviously is its own beast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
What do you think this team looks like at full strength? We really haven't seen them at full strength at all this season because not only have they had some guys in and out with, with injuries, we obviously had this whole COVID thing, but we also haven't seen Seth Towns or Justice Suing all season. And while we haven't really been given any kind of indication as to when they will come back, the vibe to me is every time we hear Chris Holtman talk is that they will be back and it could be any day. Um, first off, do you, I mean, do you know anything more about when we might see those guys on the floor? I'm assuming suing first, but I don't, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. The only difference that I'm seeing recently, last few weeks, really since last month, is that it went from Holtman just saying, you know, they're doing well in their rehab. They're probably looking at this yeah. many more weeks to now almost every single game, almost every single game. Now he's ruling them out for a specific game, which yeah, I could, maybe fair. I'm wrong, but saying like, oh, no, they're not going to be ready to play against Nebraska. Or they're not going to be quite ready to play against Indiana. To me, it sounds like at least it is on the radar or it's somewhat <laughs> on the table. Like, you know, like they're not that far off. If he has to address like, no, they're not going to be ready for, for Tuesday. Um, we don't really know what this team looks like at full strength just because Justice Suing is such a good player. He's probably their second best player that they're such a better team with him on the floor. Yet here they are. They'll probably be number 11 or 12 in the AP poll tomorrow and haven't even had him yet. So it's really hard to say what they would look like, but um, hmm. anything they get from those guys on top of this is just going to make them better. Yeah. Well, that's it's interesting. I, I watched his press conference on, I guess that would have been the New Year's Eve on the 31st. And he said he's kind of stopped asking the medical staff when they're going to be ready. He just knows they'll tell him when they're ready. So I don't know what that means. Like to me, that kind of feels like the opposite of what you were saying about how like it's it's almost like uh, they're not ready to go. But I, I you're right. I don't know what to think about um where they are and and all of that stuff so we will have to wait and see um but to kind of wrap this up we like i said Branham had 35 jamari wheeler stepped up huge at the end of regulation and um uh, and in overtime and what i thought was interesting after the game when the big 10 network uh, sideline person ended up talking with coach holtman Holtman said, and we've heard him say this before, that he was really pushing for Wheeler to shoot the ball more and has been recently. Wheeler came in as a guy who was known for his defensive prowess, a two-time Big Ten defensive, uh, all-defensive team when he was at Penn State. But he's really turning into a guy who, when he shoots, he can score. He was six of eight from the floor, including four or five for, uh, from deep with two of those three-pointers coming uh, in overtime. Um what have you seen from him? Has he surprised you from with his offense this season? Or or did you kind of expect him to also have this part of his game in addition to the defense? I, I didn't think he would be I didn't you're not you shouldn't expect him to score 15, 16 points very often, if at all. He was actually a couple points off of his career high tonight. That was he was really close to his career high. Um, but we saw it last year when we played Penn State, when Ohio State played Penn State, Jamari Wheeler. Um, he had like 14 or 15 points against Ohio state, even though he averaged like five or six points a game last season. Um, so you shouldn't really expect offense from him. He's going to be more defensive, but the shots that he's hitting are almost always wide open. And I don't know if, if teams, I, I don't really know why teams are leaving him that wide open. I'm kind of stumped because all the stats say that he is a pretty good shooter from outside. He should be taking these shots. Yeah, I don't know if it's because they're so focused on Liddell, they're okay with him taking shots, or maybe his, um, you know, they still know him as like the scrappy defensive guy that can't really shoot, but 
he will make teams pay. And he had a lot of ugly turnovers early. Um, he got benched for Sotos. So that's why Soto was Sotos was in. But um, in overtime, he's a big reason they won. Yeah, he's he had a great uh, a, a great last seven eight minutes of the game. Obviously, we mentioned Eugene Brown's really really crucial block. The game does not go to overtime without that block. I don't think because I think that basket or that ball was going to the basket. Um, and Liddell hit some free throws, had some blocks, had some rebounds. Um, so while this is absolutely the Malachi Branham trademark game. Um, the other guys stepped up and that's what you want to see when things aren't going well for the rest of the team. You want to see guys doing the little things uh, and fighting and scrapping. So I was super impressed with this. The game wasn't always pretty, but uh, I, I was really kind of uh, blown away by the effort of this team in a game that really could have been easy to write off down the stretch in the second half. And that would have been a really big blemish on their tournament resume too, because I'm sure the three-week layoff would maybe be part of it. But at the end of the day, like, this is a historically bad Nebraska team. Like, this is a very bad Nebraska team. And that could be the difference in the tournament of, are you a four-seed or a five-seed? Do you play a 12 or do you play a 13? Which, you know, every little bit counts. Yeah, I feel like they would have gotten a little bit of a break because of the circumstances of this game. But you're right. I mean, despite the fact that I think with this loss, Nebraska is 6-8 and eight on the season, 0-3 oh uh, in the Big Ten. Um, a lot of those wins came against some really bad teams. So we'll see what they do down the stretch. But uh, all right, last thoughts here, Connor. Anything about this game or, or what you saw – uh, from the team coming off of this COVID hiatus uh, moving forward that that you think is an important takeaway for fans to know as they kind of get back to seeing the Buckeyes acclimate into the Big Ten season? Um, I think just the, the statistics and what we've seen from last season say that it does take teams two to three games generally to kind of get their legs back under them. So if they look a little bit out of sorts against Indiana this week, it shouldn't be a big surprise. Um, but it is encouraging that they're able to go on the road and get a win. That should be that should be the biggest thing people take away from this is just don't forget how hard it is to win on the road in the Big Ten. And then you put all of the junk on top of that that they're dealing with right now. And they didn't even have Kyle Young. We didn't really talk about not having Kyle Young. No. So all the crap, all the crap that they were dealing with on top of just playing on the road in the Big Ten to get a win. Um it's so hard to win on the road. So that that's a big win for them. Just get it in the bag and and, and get home and they're in, they're in first place in the Big Ten right now. Yeah, my philosophy is always in the Big Ten, win all your home games. You're not going to win all of them all the time, but win as many of your home games as you can and then try to go 500, maybe 600 on the road. And if you do that, you're going to be a top, I don't know, 20 team in the country, top 25 at the worst, um, and you'll be battling for a you know top four or five seed in the NCAA tournament uh, at, at the very, very least. So... Um, I think that uh, any road win is the Big Ten is a, is a very, very good thing. So, All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land's Instant Recap. Um, my name is Matt Taman, and you can find me on Twitter at Matt Connor, where can people find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Lamons, L-E-M-O-N-S underscore Connor. And you can also follow our podcast channel, which is at Bucketheads L-G-H-L. Yeah, and you can follow the Land Grant Holy Land as a site at Land Grant 33. Now that football season is officially over, we will still be writing about football, but I imagine we will start to see more and more basketball content uh, coming up on the site. 
Connor, along with uh, Justin Golba, have been really run, running the ship there uh, in terms of men's basketball content during the football season, and they've been doing a fantastic job. If you are not a regular listener to the Bucketheads podcast, what comes out on Thursdays, you really, really should. Um, in my opinion, it is uh, one of, if not the best college basketball podcasts uh, in all of the interwebs. So check that out on Thursdays. All right, everybody, thanks for listening, and as always, go Bucks.